we begin, since this is Aunt Bethany's 80th Christmas, I think she should lead us in a saying of grace. They want you to say grace. The blessing. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Amen. 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 Catherine, this turkey tastes half as good as it looks. I think we're all in for a very big treat. <laughs> Save the neck for me, Clark. <laughs> okay, Eddie. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I mean, who, how many of you guys, this is your favorite Christmas movie? Come on. Yeah, that's one of the top ones. That's on my list every year. When I pick my Christmas movies to watch, this is one of the ones that's like, I got to record it and watch it at some point during the Christmas season. It's one of those must-watches. I love the Christmas Vacation because so many times you look at it and you're thinking, yep, that could be my family. That's it right there. All the dynamics. I mean, this story is about Clark W. Griswold. And he, as the holidays approach, he wants to put on the perfect Christmas get-together. I mean, he wants everything to be perfect. So the whole movie's about this guy trying to develop a perfect, perfect Christmas gathering. I mean, all the Christmas decor, he's on his wife Ellen's case constantly. His kids, he's getting them to go around the house to get everything up. And oh my goodness, those lights. Those lights. Wipe out the city grid. I mean, craziness. And everything is trying to make everything absolutely perfect. And then the family starts coming. And all the chaos begins. And all the family dynamics begin to show up. And everything just seems to begin to collapse. Everything he tried to create as perfect was anything but perfect when reality, when his expectations hit reality. It all started to fall apart. And then... The unplanned showing up of Cousin Eddie with the camper, the RV on the driveway. You don't need to raise your hand, but I mean, quietly in your own mind, how many of you guys have a Cousin Eddie in your family? And you're just praying right now, oh my goodness, please don't show up. <laughs> the perfect gathering will be just messed up. We all have those family dynamics, don't we? And Clark Griswold, he wanted everything to be perfect. The perfect gathering, 
the perfect present, which, by the way, was the swimming pool, which he needed his bonus to get. And then that all went down the, the drain. And everything just went into complete chaos. And all he wanted was perfection. And anything was but perfection. And after a significant meltdown and a kidnapping by Cousin Eddie, they finally figured out what mattered most. And in that moment, they found harmony. You know, can we just be honest with ourselves today? At times, we struggle with navigating the relationships in our life. There are certain people in our life, whether a family members, friends, co-workers, you name it, and that name is probably popping up in your mind right now as we speak. That's just like, I really wrestle with this person. I really struggle in this, this relationship. It's, I want it to be perfect. I want everything to be good. And as hard as I try, it's everything but that. Have you guys been there? You don't need to shake your heads, but are some of you there now? You know, it's a struggling match, isn't it? Where we try to find that. And like Clark W. Griswold, you work so hard to make everything perfect. You try your best to make that relationship right. Or, or those family dynamics right. Or the family gathering as perfect as possible. But the relational dynamics just get in the way constantly over and over again. And you know, as we look at the birth story of Jesus, we see that same situation happen Right at the beginning, it was a unique challenge to the cultural norm of the day. And Joseph, uh, Jesus' earthly father, was put into a really challenging situation as Jesus was coming onto the scene. You know, Joseph and Mary at this time, when we're introduced to them at the beginning of the story, they were preparing for marriage. They were preparing for a wedding. And for those of you who walked down that path before, you know the stress level, what that's like. All the dynamics that go into play. Trying to get all the pieces of the puzzle put together in the perfect way. You want everything beautiful, everything right. And so this was Joseph and Mary's focus at this time. They were wedding prep preparing. And then everything changed in one quick moment. And everything changed that challenged what was the cultural norm of the day and challenged the relational dynamics in their relationship with each other. And you better believe it challenged their relationships with other people around them too. They got hit with a curveball, And here we begin the story, Matthew 1, beginning of verse 18. It says, this is how the birth of, Je of, the, of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, <clears throat> she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. You catch what it said? <clears throat> Joseph was faithful to the law. You know what that means? What that basically means is Joseph lived a life that pursued righteousness. You've heard me talk about this before. Righteousness is just being right before God. And being righteousness is the path towards holiness. You know, our goal in life is to be driving towards righteousness. The Bible tells us that God's will for our life is to pursue righteousness that guides us to holiness. Holiness is just a fancy word that means to be set apart. We need to be set apart from this world. We need to be different than everything and everybody else 
in this world because we're pursuing righteousness. We're pursuing him. And the Bible says that Joseph was faithful to the law. In other words, he made it his ambition. He wasn't perfect, but in every fiber of his being, he made it his ambition to pursue God and live in such a way that honored him. And at that time, it was by following the law. And so he made it every, he made it the, the focus of who he was to follow the law the best he could. He pursued righteousness. And the Bible says he was faithful, but while he was faithful, don't miss this. He desired to show compassion. He had this wrestling match within his heart of being faithful to God, of pursuing righteousness in God, but also walking in compassion towards those around him, more specifically to Mary. Because at this point, a curveball was thrown. They were engaged to be married. And you see, at that time in history, in that culture, to be pledged to be, to be married, to be engaged, was a legal bindment. It, it was, you are practically married already. You see, in that culture, engagement lasted one year. And during that one year, the lady would go and live with her parents. And once that one year was over, then she would consummate the marriage by moving in with her husband. And then they were officially married after all those celebrations. But when they became engaged, by law, they were binded together already. So any action or suspicion of adultery was a serious offense and a separation of that binding agreement. And so here Joseph was dealing with this major situation, this major curveball. He would have been dealing with the suspicions and the challenges and the suspicion of an, of an unfaithful spouse. And what do I do with this? And all of a sudden one day, she, out of the blue, she just comes and tells me she's pregnant. What am I supposed to do with this? And you can imagine the curveball he was dealing with. Because... He was not, at that moment, privileged with the same information that Mary was. Mary was visited by the angel. Mary was told, this is what's coming. All Joseph knew was, you're my fiancé. We're legally binded together. And now you're pregnant. Now what? And this changed everything relationally for them. And you can understand, in this moment... Both Mary and Joseph were dealing something on a different spectrum, but the same thing. The mystery of what this all meant, what this was all about. Because right now there was a mystery that was unfolding. The Messiah was coming. And here, Joseph had to do, make a choice. Because the suspicion of marital unfaithfulness demanded legal action. And Joseph was a man who desired to be faithful. He was a man who desired to follow the law to the best that he could to pursue righteousness. And now he was faced with a choice of legal action. And with that, he had two options. He could have gone public and made an official big divorce proceeding, which would have put her in complete shame and changed the view of who she was in the community for the rest of her life. But he didn't want to do that. The Bible says that he did not want to disgrace her. He did not want to shame her. He had this complete compassion for her. And so he went with option two. Option two was to go into private matter. 
where he brings two witnesses with him. In the letter, he brings to her of, of, of divorce. That signifies we're done. It's over. We're moving on. And Joseph made the decision in his mind to go with that second option. It was clear, though, he had that heart of compassion to protect Mary and who she was from public shame. And through this whole process, you can see Joseph revealing the character of God, the true character of Jesus, his compassion while he walked in righteousness, and how you walk with that challenging dilemma within your own heart. Guys, we know relationships can be hard. Relationships can be extremely challenging. And many times in our relationships with people we love and those people that you love to hate, we struggle with our dealings with them. It's a constant clash of our expectations and reality in that relationship. And what do you do? What do you do? And in those moments, I think we need to determine that like Joseph walked with the character of God rather than the character of man. The character of man is focused on what's best for, what, what can I get out of this relationship? The character of God walks in complete compassion. You see, my friends, we must find the ability to pursue righteousness while walking with compassion. That's what Joseph did. How do I pursue the heart of God? How do I run towards him? How do I live in a way that honors him, even with all these other dynamics all around me? How do I show compassion when I try to follow him? This is the character that Joseph exhibited. He showed that. He didn't get it all. He didn't understand it. He didn't know what tomorrow brought. He, he had all these fears of what next on him. The weight of all these relational realities. The consequences of what he was about to walk into. The weight of all that. And yet he was a man who continued to find, how do I pursue God? And how do I walk in compassion to show my love and concern for the people all around me? And I can only imagine the pressure that he had. I mean, think about it. He was going through all of his mind, the what ifs, the what nows. I mean, this was big. I mean, eventually I have to go to my family and tell them that my marriage is over. Eventually I have to go to the community who was preparing for this wedding that we're not going to do this wedding anymore. Everything was about to change and all the dynamics were going to be thrown into this. And what now? And on top of all those worryings of the consequences that were about to happen, you have all the hurt and all the anger and all the disappointment just wrapped in fear of what, is what will tomorrow bring. And I think so many of us today walk like that every single day because of all the stuff that's going on in our world, globally and locally and personally, and all the relational dynamics that come into play within all of our lives, we're constantly walking with this dilemma in our hearts. What next? What does tomorrow bring? I'm hurt. I'm broken. I'm overwhelmed. I'm disappointed. And it's all wrapped into fear because I don't know how this is going to unfold. I don't know what is going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen with this relationship. And so many of us are walking with those feelings and these emotions just like Joseph was. But Joseph took time to collect his thoughts determine his action, determine his plan. And then he went to bed. And I, have you been there? I mean, it's just the whirlwind in your heart and your mind. 
your mind is racing. It's probably when you lay down to bed, you can't fall asleep because you're just tossing and turning. Because every time you toss and you turn, another thought comes in your mind. Well, what about this? What now? What am I going to do in this situation? I, I, I need to figure this out. And you just can't fall asleep because your mind is racing. Your heart's overwhelmed. And stress has just got the best of you. And you just don't know what to do because you're so fearful of what tomorrow is going to bring. And I can only imagine Joseph in that moment tossing and turning in his bed for hours trying to wrestle with his thoughts. What's the right step? What's the right move? I want to honor God. I love Mary. I want, I want to show compassion to her. But what am I supposed to do? And what's everybody going to think and, and react? And, and how am I going to do this? How, uh, what's tomorrow going to look like? And then finally he falls asleep. And then the Bible, Bible says, starting in verse 20, after he considered this, an angel appeared to him in a dream. And he said, the angel said to him, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid. Those are powerful words right there. Because Joseph, like us, I think too many times we live in life afraid. Because we don't know what tomorrow brings. And over and over again throughout the Bible, we see this promise of God, of compassion and just saying, and confidence, don't be afraid. You don't need to worry about tomorrow because I've got this. I've got this. Joseph, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because she, because of what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. In this one dream, after tossing and turning, the angel comes to Joseph and tells him and brings clarity to his dilemma. Joseph, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to keep walking forward because something big is about to happen. You might not see it. You might not get it. You probably don't understand it, and that's okay. But through it all, the angel's telling Joseph, trust me, because God's working. God's working. Just because you don't get it doesn't mean he's not working. Just because you don't always understand it doesn't mean he's ever stopped caring for you or fighting for you. And that's what, God, that's what the angel's telling Joseph. God is working. This is God working in this moment. So you trust me. Don't be afraid. You keep moving forward. You're good. Because God's working behind the scenes. And this is not your normal baby, Joseph. You see, the Messiah that everybody's been waiting for, the one that's supposed to come into the world to save everybody from their sins, from their own poor choices, to wipe away all the brokenness in the, this world, that's the baby. That's the baby. Joseph, God's showing up right now. And sometimes I think in our journeys, we wrestle because we're so fearful what tomorrow will bring that maybe if we just let our minds stop racing with all the junk we have to worry about and just see the reality, God is there. God is still working. God is fighting for you. And God working in a way to write you into his story. Don't miss this. Don't miss what the angel just told Joseph. Joseph, guess what? You 
have a role to play in the story of all stories that every generation is going to be talking about. You have a part to play in the Messiah coming into this world. And my friends, don't miss this. You have an opportunity. God wants to write you into his story. And that's what he's fighting for. He brings all things for good for those who pursue him. The good is us experiencing him, his hope, his peace, his love, his joy, and being a part of his story. And he wants all of us to have a role in his story. There are people in your life, relationships in your line of sight, that you have the opportunity, just like Joseph did in this moment, to usher in the Messiah into their life. And that was Joseph's opportunity. You have a role to play in ushering the Messiah into the world. And don't miss this, friends, the coming Messiah. You know what that means? When we pursue righteousness and walk in compassion, we have the opportunity to usher in the Messiah into someone's life. Who is that for you? Who is that for you? Now, it all gets back to our relationships. You know, don't miss the powerful moment here. Because Joseph had no paternal role with the aspect of this child. He was not his natural father. And so with that, Joseph had a choice. You know, the angel told Joseph, listen, Mary's with child from the Holy Spirit that will be the Messiah of the world. And I am instructing you to receive the child as your own. You got to take ownership of this, Joseph. This may not be your natural child, but you got to take him as your own natural child. You have a role here. You know, G- Joseph's adoption of Jesus as a child is a foreshadowing of God adopting us as his children. You see, God brought Jesus into the world to ultimately die on that cross so that he can take us as his own. And Joseph's actions here was a foreshadowing, but he had a choice. He could have woke up from the dream and said, you know what? Nah, these relational dynamics I'm about to walk into, I mean, what the angel's asking me to do is completely opposite from what the world's saying to do right now. I, I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to create waves. I don't want to be the odd person looking out in the world. I mean, I don't want to be sticking out like a sore thumb in the community. So maybe I'm just going to do what I need to do just so I can look good. So no one's talking about me at the, at the, at the park. But Joseph had a choice. Go with the plans he developed in his mind. I'll quietly divorce her, protect her from the shame of of public disgrace, and move on with my life. Or, I trust God. I move forward. Even when I don't get it. Even when I don't understand it. Even when I know relationally, this is going to be a challenge. Mary and I are going to have to walk through some hard things because we're going to be dealing with a lot of people around us that don't get it either. And it's going to be a challenge. And I'm going to have Cousin Eddie and everybody else talking to me what they think I should be doing and kind of pushing me in different directions. In all this turmoil, he chose to accept the child as his own. 
You know, in the dynamics of our own relationships, we have a choice. You have a choice. Do you go with your own plan or do you own God's plan? Which direction will you go? Because in their life, in your day-to-day, in the relationships that you have, at work, at home, wherever you may be, we all have the different dynamics that we come into play. And then we all, like Joseph, wrestle all night long in the bed and we develop our own plans of this is how it's going to work out. This is what we need to do. And we develop our plans of what should happen. And then God jumps in and says, "Uh uh-uh. You might have made it sound logical in your mind. Uh Uh-uh. I got a plan for you. And at that point, we have a choice, just like Joseph. Do we walk with the plans that we develop for ourselves, or do we own the plan that God's giving to us? Where are we at? You know, because we all walk in a way where we want what God gives to us. We want the blessings of God in our life. We want all the freedom, all the love, joy, hope, peace, goodness, whatever, all that stuff. We want God just to give it to us while we live life on our own terms. But God's saying, no, 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 no. It doesn't work like that. You, you can't just kind of develop your own plans of how you think you should live your life, how you should conduct yourself in your relationships or in your own world, and just kind of go your own way, and then I'll just kind of sprinkle some blessings and goodness in your life. I'm not the fairy tale out here. I want to give you something better. But you have to own my plan. You have to own it. There's a difference between getting stuff for free and owning something. Come on, you know it. Like, I'm going to be blunt here, okay? I have three boys, and growing up when they were younger, uh, you know, they, we would do the birthday parties, and we would have some birthday parties at our house, and then the work it took to clean up the house and then get the house ready, and then the, 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 the way the house was trashed after a whole bunch of boys ran through it, you're thinking, what, what just happened? And so my wife and I was like, hey, you know what? We could just go have our party over at this place. We just show up, and we leave, it's not, the mess is not ours. You know, because we don't own it. And we're not as concerned with the mess there as we are in the house that we own. Does that make sense? And the same in our journey with Jesus. If we don't own God's plan, we're like, hey, God, just kind of give it to me. Let me live life my way. Just give me the freebies. We don't experience him the same way. And he doesn't operate in our life the same way. You know, do we own his plan? This is all about trust. Joseph had to trust God in a big way to wake up the next day and walk a path which was culturally opposite, opposite of the culture norm. Everybody was going to be talking about them. He had family dynamics. Mary had to deal with all this stuff he had to deal with the next day. It's not just like, wake up, here we go. Let's, yeah, this sounds fun. No, he was bringing the battle on to walk this way. And it all had to start with trust. Do you trust God enough to own his plan in your life? That you know what, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I'm just, I have so much fear in me of how this will work out. I don't know how this will work out. But do you trust God enough that you will own his plan and walk the way he says to walk? That's what Joseph did.
That's what Joseph did. To trust him enough to walk his path, even when we don't get it. You know, in the, in, in the letter to Ephesians, in Ephesians 4, the Apostle Paul provides some great godly advice to Christian living. And how we pursue righteousness while walking in compassion. Let me just read some things in chapter, in chapter 4, beginning in verse 17. Paul writes these words. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are all full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and put on the new self, created to be like God, in true righteousness and holiness. Guys, I don't have to give you this news flash. I think we already know this. This world is full of junk. And it's not getting any better. It's just in this tailspin of chaos and disorder and craziness. And the Bible says, what Paul wrote, what we see all throughout the Bible, is the heart of man is so corrupted. We all struggle with this. In relationships, we make relationships more about what I get out of it than what's best for that person. We become very selfish in our relationships. And that's where so much of the corruption comes into play. It's all about me, what this relationship provides for me. What can I get out of it? And then when you do that, you forget about the reality of walking compassion within those relationships. And here we see that struggle. And what Paul says is because of that, our hearts get hardened. Our hearts get hardened in this relationship, hardened with what is the the path to own to follow God. And he says, that's not who we were in Jesus. That's not who you are in Jesus. We're to put off the old self and take on the new self. We don't respond to relationships the same way that everybody else does. We walk with a bigger, bigger goal in mind. We put away our corruption, our selfish and deceitful desires, and we put on the new self, being like God, walking in true righteousness, walking towards holiness. That's what Joseph exhibited. That's what he walked, pursuing righteousness while walking with compassion. And then from there, throughout chapter 4, you can read it on your own. I encourage you to do that. Paul then goes on to kind of gives kind of a blueprint. Well, how do I do that? Well, he talks about controlling our anger, not letting our anger get the best of us, but how do we truly control that in our relationships when things don't go our way? When Cousin Eddie shows up on the driveway, how do I control my anger? Now all the thoughts that's going in my head, how do I bite my tongue and just not let just whatever comes in my, out of my mouth with what's in my heart, you know, become just vomiting all these words out there that kind of breaks the relationships even more. I need to control that. I use my words to build others up rather than tearing them down. And I become a person of high character and integrity that is truthful with my words. Honest with my words. And I be a person who contributes to society. I'm not a person who is expecting other people to always take care of me or provide for me. Paul writes that we need to become people who are contributors 
to society, contributors to the world around us, to the people around us. And then he concludes all that by saying, starting in verse 31, to get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. It doesn't mean you become a doormat and just let people walk all over you. That's not what this means. It doesn't mean it's okay the way that people may have hurt you. But it means within the hurt, within the brokenness, within the, fa- within the relational dynamics, how do I walk with compassion? How do I pursue righteousness? That's what Paul's saying here. You know, going back to the story of Jesus' birth, the angel told Joseph that the name of the child would be Jesus. Jesus was the Greek form of the Old Testament name Joshua. And that name Jesus meant the Lord saves. Names in the Bible were powerful and had a purpose and had a meaning. In the Old Testament, God told Moses when he was saying, well, who's going to take care of us? Who's going to be there for us? He says, well, here's my name, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. In the Old Testament, he said, my name's the Lord who provides. In the New Testament, he gave his son the name, the Lord saves. And they said he will be called, like Tony talked about last week, Emmanuel. This wasn't a new name. This was kind of like a classification that you will, that God will be with us. You can belong in him. If you missed that message last week, I encourage you to check it out. Not just for the message, but for the outfit Tony wore. woo But in those names, God is highlighting something extremely powerful. He is the God who saves. He is the God who provides. He is the God who is always with us. You know what that means? It means the Lord who provides is present to bring salvation to his people. You are not alone. There is a God who loves you desperately. There is a God who, like Joseph, like he was for Joseph, is behind the scenes fighting for you every day. And he knows as you pursue him, there's gonna be dynamics that you have to deal with in your life with other people. He gets that. He does not say you will walk through that by yourself. He says, trust me enough, own my path, walk with me, and I'll take care of everything else. I'll take care of it for you. Just trust me enough. You see, in this moment was a miraculous conception that highlights God's presence for all mankind. He is with us and he, pres- he comes to us bringing salvation and bringing hope and bringing life. Everything you see about Jesus, all the names you see that is provided to him, all of his I am statements that you see in the Gospel of John all reveal something that is life-giving. God wants to give you life. Jesus said, I have come to bring life to the fullest. Everything about him is about bringing you life. But when we don't walk his path, and we walk what we feel is right, we don't experience the life that he wants to provide. And that's why he says, that's why Paul wrote, we need to put off our old self. 
Stop going your own way. Stop developing your own plans and just running after your own plans in life and in your relationships. Own my path. Own his path. Trust him enough to walk the way that he, he lays for you. And then he will bring you hope and love and joy and peace in all aspects of your life in dealing with all of your relationships. For Joseph, he pursued righteousness while walking with compassion. And God wrote him into one of the most amazing stories the world has ever known. Friends, God wants to write you into his story that you become a person that ushers in the Messiah into somebody else's life. But we have to pursue him. You know, after the birth of Jesus, Joseph took Mary as his wife and he received this child as his own. And in that moment, Joseph acknowledged, he accepted, and he walked faithfully in his role in God's story. If you pursue him, God's writing your story. He's writing your story. You know, for the National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, I mean, you guys have seen the movie. Everything went to chaos. Everything fell down the tubes. Everything that Clark Griswold tried to plan and prepare, nothing went right. Everything went wrong. Everything went complete in an opposite direction from what Clark desired and hoped for. And it just created a huge meltdown. Have you been there? I know I have. As I watched that final scene of the Christmas vacation... And I watch Clark Griswold go absolutely insane and crazy, like a madman. I'm just thinking, I've been there. There's been many times when I've been there and I turn back and look and say, why did I do that? Why did I act that way? Why did I respond that way? We've all been there. Because when life feels out of control, when chaos is overwhelming us, and we're so overwhelmed with the fear of what tomorrow might bring, it just gets us to the point of complete meltdown and shutdown and just panic mode. But it was when they realized the whole purpose. It wasn't the perfection of the gathering and the, and the perfect turkey or the perfect tree or all the lights it was the relationships they had. And I think sometimes because we pursue our own paths, we forget what's the most important thing. It's the relationships we have. First and foremost, our relationship with God and experiencing the life that he has for us and the relationships with those around us. But can I be real with you? These relationships that are around us, they will never be right if you don't make sure this is right. And sometimes these holiday seasons just highlight and magnify some of the brokenness that we have in our relationships. And some of you are sitting right now in this moment, overwhelmed with brokenness in your relationships. And you're trying so hard, you're fighting so hard to make everything right. And can I just be real with you? Yes, there's things you need to do to put the puzzle pieces together. But none of this will work. You can't fix your relationships horizontally. 
if you don't first make sure your relationship vertically is right. You've got to run towards him. You've got to pursue righteousness while walking in compassion. Put off your old self. Stop trying to do things your way, what you feel is right, and put on your new self and trust God enough to walk and pursue him. And experience the love and joy and hope that he has for you in your life and what he wants to provide for you in the relationships all around you. Doesn't mean all relationships will also be perfect or great or harmonious. Doesn't mean that. But it gives you the ability to walk through them even when chaos happens. Even when the brokenness happens. That's what Joseph walked. It wasn't like he woke up the next day and everything was perfect. He still had to walk through the hardships. But through those hardships, he pursued God while he walked in compassion. And he experienced the virtues of Christ's life-giving in his, in his life. So where are you at? And as we get into the holiday season, all the hustle and bustle, all the lights and all the festivities, still at the core is all the relationships. How's the relationships in your life? Are you trusting him enough to own his path? You know, if there's some dynamics you're dealing with in your relationships and you need someone just to pray with you, we're here for you. We'd love to be praying for you and we'll walk beside you. We may not have all the answers, but we promise you, you will not walk it alone. You will not walk it alone. There is a God who loves you and there is a God who's fighting for you every day. Trust him enough to own his path. Pursue righteousness while you walk in compassion. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. Lord, in this moment, just guide us toward your heart. Father God, I feel like so many times myself, and I bet there's others in this room or online right now that feel it too, where it's just the dynamics of life just kind of come, and we're just so overwhelmed, so lost, so confused, so fearful of tomorrow so hurt by the brokenness in our relationships. And we just don't know how to stand up. We don't know how to get through tomorrow. And we develop plans in our minds of how, we sh how these should work. And Lord, we're frail. I mean, our plans aren't perfect. And a lot of times they're based upon our own selfish ambitions or, or what we feel is right. But Lord God, our feelings just always lead us astray. But may we trust you enough to walk with you Lord, help us to put off our old self, our old selfish desires and follow your path of righteousness. It's in your name we pray, amen.